welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Tech Law Talks. I'm Cynthia Donahue, a partner in Reed Smith's London office. I'm accompanied today by Asel Ibramova, who is a senior associate also in our London office. And we're here to speak to you about international data transfers. So, Asel, why are data transfers such a hot topic at the moment? Well, this is because regulators around the world have either introduced new rules on data transfers or have changed such rules for transferring personal data outside of their jurisdiction to third countries. So, for example, the European Commission have updated their standard contractual clauses in 2021, and those are the contractual way of committing the recipients in third countries to European standards of data protection. The United Kingdom Information Commissioner has also updated their data transfer tool following Brexit, and that is called the International Data Transfer Agreement, and that is also to be used, it it can be used together with the EU SECs. The Data Protection Regulator in Hong Kong has also published their standard contractual clauses recently, which are not mandatory for use. And the DIFC Dubai International Financial Center has also published their SECs, which will take into consideration the EU SECs. So there are quite a few developments in this area. And uh, Cynthia, I wanted to ask you, what do you think would be the practical implications of these developments for organizations? Well, I certainly think it adds to the complexity for a lot of organizations. They now need to think about the EU, China, potentially how it may affect transfers to Latin America and, you know, think in much more let's say, global geographic way about data transfers. Certainly in relation to the EU, they'll need to update intra-group agreements on the new EU SECs. They may need to use the UK International Data Transfer Agreement and or the UK Addendum, which fits with the EU SECs. And obviously they're going to need to review all their agreements with any third parties in their supply chain, you know, so obviously companies will have to understand their role and anybody that they do business with and their role when it comes to processing. So are they controllers? Are they processors? Are they subprocessors? And of course, that could then lead to a very large number of documents or, you know, a large task in terms of updating and redoing documents. And of course, The EU has that added requirement of assessing data transfers. So it requires, obviously, a tool that would determine whether or not, even with use of the standard contractual clauses, that adequate protection is given to the data that is being transferred. So so there were also some recent decisions by the EU data protection authorities on data transfers of information 
collected by cookies. So this goes beyond what we think of in terms of personal data in the normal sense. What, what should organizations look to update in their data transfer agreements in relation to cookies? That's right. One would probably not necessarily think a cookie data are personal data, but recently, especially this year, EU data protection regulators have confirmed that data collected by cookies are personal data. And these are things like user ID, IP address, usage data, technical data. So this means that if such data is being accessed from third countries remotely or being transferred to those third countries, then the recipients will need to commit to SCCs and list this data in in the data transfer agreements, such as intra-group agreements uh, between companies or with third parties. So generally speaking, cookie data are quite a hot topic and their transfer to third countries is a big question for a lot of organizations because it has been said by, for example, CNIL that SCCs are not necessarily a sufficient method for transferring such data. So we would recommend organizations to read CNIL's recent guidelines on cookie data transfers and making adjustments as necessary. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. Now, turning to other type of personal data, such as special categories of data, and that covers health data, sexual orientation, race and ethnic background. Cynthia, can organizations rely on data transfer mechanisms such as SCCs to transfer such data to third countries? Yes, they can, because the SECs provide adequate protection for transferring all forms of data. You're right, though. I mean, health data, race, trade union membership, all those categories under the EU and the UK are considered special categories of data. But there are other countries around the world that also consider things like health data to be sensitive, and it may require the consent of the individual in addition to providing some sort of um, transfer or adequate transfer mechanism. The EU, of course, takes a very different view. The EU views consent as being only available for occasional transfers of data, not for a transfer that's going to occur in a systematic and a regular or frequent way. But then, like I said, there's other countries that take a different view. And some countries have what we call data localization or server on soil requirements, where the data, health data in particular, has to be stored within that country, cannot be transferred at all or in only very limited circumstances. You know, for example, the United Arab Emirates has a rule around localization of health data, as does Saudi Arabia and as does China. So it can make or let's say, can have operational effects for companies because it may be possible that transfers of that sort of data cannot happen at all. There's also countries that would only allow transfers of health data based on written consent. So, you know, you can't assume that consent can be obtained electronically. It might actually require a wet ink signature of some sort. And you can see that across some of the countries that were former members of the USSR, for instance, 
So it's not just limited to Russia. You can see that in Kazakhstan and a, a few of the other countries as well. So a lot to think about, you know, in terms of what is personal data, what are the adequate mechanisms for that, as well as what data by a country might be considered a special category, and are there special rules in relation to transfers for those? So obviously, you know, sell this means a lot of work for lawyers and compliance teams when it comes to data transfers. You have to think about not just the country, you have to think about the kind of data. What would your prediction be regarding data transfers in the future? I mean, given how complicated it is already, do you think it's only going to get more complicated or do you think at some point there might be some relief or some sort of global standard? That's a difficult question. In the short term, I believe all organizations will need to comply with the existing requirements. In the midterm, it's likely that we will see more rules being issued and that will be country specific. And it does help that some countries have adopted the list of adequate countries that do not require additional measures for cross-border transfers. For example, quite a few countries allow transfers of personal data to countries that have signed up to Convention 108, for example, Russia, Serbia. And a few countries recognize the EEA as an adequate territory, for example, Georgia, Albania, and Morocco. In the long term, the hope is that we will, and we're already starting to see those initiatives, that countries are coming together to adopt regional rules for data transfers. So in January 2021, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, ASEAN, adopted their contractual clauses for cross-border transfers and these are voluntary. There is a forum for cooperation between national data protection authorities in Latin America, like I already mentioned, the Red Americana de Protección de Datos, RIPD. So those are quite promising, and hopefully this is where we will move in the long term. But I was just thinking, Cynthia, do you have any final thoughts before we finish our podcast? Yeah, I, I think, if, you know, long term, you talked about the initiatives to acknowledge adequacy by certain of the mechanisms published by other countries. I do agree with you. I think that is definitely long term. We know that when the European Commission looks at determining whether a country is adequate, it can sometimes take them a couple of years to make such a determination. And maybe that's the, the issue related to it being a large trade block where, you know, you compare with Israel, a single country that's basically looked at the EU SCCs and says that it works for compliance with the Israeli data protection laws as well. So I think, you know, at this point, we see a mix of ad hoc acknowledgements and then, you know, a more systematic approach. But I, I certainly hope that in the long term, do you see more, let's say, acknowledgement of the mechanisms that are there in place so that organizations are not administratively burdened with such a, a myriad of different forms of agreements. You know, I think that the, the Hong Kong model being voluntary, the Red Ibero-American model called Tongue Clauses also being, let's say, a suggestion rather than something that's required. The same with the ASEAN model contract clauses is helpful. Because if it turns out that the EU standard contractual clauses, which most companies will end up having to use, cover a lot of the same points, it might be possible to amend them or 
as necessary to, let's say, make them also effective in numerous other countries as well, instead of having to have lots of different sets of agreements. So thank you everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. We'd like to invite you to connect with us on LinkedIn and you can also subscribe to our Tech Law Dispatches blogs. We look forward to you listening our next podcast. Thanks everyone. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com. And our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.